This is Faith in Action, the program that looks at how people put their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is a production of Catholic Radio Indy. Now here's today's program. This is Faith in Action on Catholic Radio Indy, brought to you by the Indiana State Knights of Columbus. I'm Kent Blanford, in studio with me, Bridget Ayer. Hello, Kent. Great to be with you, Kent, and everybody that's tuning in today. Yeah, we're going to have a a little bit of, I won't say controversial, but a, a definitely hot topic going on right now in the U.S. We're looking at religious and constitutional freedoms. And we have a special guest. Yes, we do. Uh, Well, the pandemic has brought about many, many challenges in our world. And as we've seen government take some actions to address public health, but some of those actions have really raised some eyebrows as it relates to personal liberty, religious liberty, and constitutional rights. And here to put some of these situations into perspective is our guest, constitutional expert and attorney at law, James Bopp Jr. of the Bopp Law Firm. Welcome to Faith in Action, Jim. Thanks for being with us. Really a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And and we've had you on before, and whenever uh, these... Um, constitutional issues come up. I always like to go to Jim. I, I've known Jim for a long time, seen him at lobbying at the state house back in my state house days. And um, I, I, if just for our audience that may not be familiar with your work, give us a little bit about your be, uh, legal background and kind of the type of cases that you handle. Well, thank you. Uh, my law firm's in Terre Haute, uh, Indiana, which is my hometown. And uh, I've been very blessed to, uh, to represent many national conservative and Republican Party groups. Uh, uh, I've represented the National Right to Life Committee in Washington since 1978. Uh, uh, represented the Republican National Committee in the U.S. Supreme Court, where I brought a case and, and won a case there. Uh, and I've been, uh, I represent represented pretty well every national conservative group uh, at one time or another in one thing or another. So I've had a national practice, a lot of constitutional issues uh, I've litigated, including uh, winning nine cases uh, in the United States Supreme Court. So uh, I have a lot of uh, experience with these issues and and am now involved, uh, pertinent to your topic, uh, in the case uh, regarding Indiana University. Yeah, and when I saw that, um, the uh, vaccine mandate as it related to Indiana University students, which was one of the first, it seemed like one of the first mandates that I happened to see that kind of came out. Um, I noticed in one of the articles I saw your name, and I'm like, oh, well, uh, Jim's handling that case. So um, I really want to, uh, which which made me want to reach out to you to talk about some of these issues. Can you give us kind of an overview of some of the basic constitutional rights Americans have? And why is the United States unique in that regard as it relates to other countries? You know, people will say, well, Canada does this or Scandinavia does this or, you know, how is the United States unique? And tell us some about some of our basic constitutional rights that that we have. Well, the U.S. uh, is unique. Our Constitution, going back to the late uh, 1700s, established very specific protections uh, for our personal liberties because they viewed government uh, to have a limited role 
and that one of the roles was to protect our rights, that, you know, our right to um, not be regulated by government unless there was really a just, you know, sufficient justification for it. And, and those were mainly laid out in the Constitution, the, the various subjects that, that the government, the federal government could uh, regulate us about. Uh, but even with that limited regulation, they still wanted a Bill of Rights just to make sure they didn't uh, impinge upon uh, the rights, the very important rights of individuals. So uh, pertinent to what we're talking about here, of course, uh, the First Amendment protects uh, free exercise of religion. And uh, uh, that uh, means that uh, only when there's really compelling justification can uh, the government regulate uh, anybody's practice of religion in their life and uh, both uh, in their home and in society. Uh, the second thing pertinent to what we're talking about is that the Supreme Court has uh, recognized uh, that we have a right to bodily integrity and autonomy, including medical treatment choice. And, and, you know, when the government comes along, as we're now seeing, and they are requiring you at, uh, could be a great penalty, uh, uh, requiring you to take a chemical into your body that the government is mandating. You know, you could not get, you know, more of an evasion of your bodily integrity than to stick, stick a needle into your arm and introduce chemicals uh, into your body. Uh, and so, uh, and, and, and there's also a series of cases that specifically apply to medical treatment. In other words, you know, you, you just can't, the government cannot force you. You have a right to refuse or, or consent to medical treatment. The government cannot force you to have medical treatment, again, unless there's really compelling justification. Now, there are cases when that might be the case, mm -hmm. and uh, I'll be happy to talk about those. But generally speaking, what it requires is the government to justify uh, these invasions of your rights. And that's re where, really where the fight right now is, uh, because... Uh, what Indiana University and others, other government entities are saying is, well, we don't have to justify this. Uh, we just have to have experts that say it's necessary. And if that's the case, then case over. Uh, we're saying, no, uh, you still, because rights are being violated, you still have to justify it. So let me ask you, uh, we're talking with uh, Jim Bopp of the Bopp Law Firm. He is a constitutional expert, and we're talking about um, constitutional rights um, as it relates to religious liberty and personal liberties. I want to um, ask you what are okay. So if if there is let's 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 talk about vaccine mandates. If there is a certain mandate, let's just say vaccine mandate. Um, how do exemptions play into that? Do they or do they not? Well, because they, you can they, they, you can have a mandate that no exemptions, and then you can have a mandate with exemptions. Is there a difference in terms of litigation when there when there are exemptions? Just as an example, just as a question, or is it well, too? Go ahead. If it's a government mandate, of course the Constitution applies. Okay. And the Constitution protects our religious liberty. It protects our bodily integrity and autonomy, it protects our medical treatment choice. 
So you, you, you start off with, there does have to be, have to be, if the government is mandating it, then uh, there has to be an exception for religious liberty. And, and that has to be broad. In other words, there's two kind of like parts to it that are important. Uh, number one is, the, you know, no individual has to prove to the government the legitimacy, the rationality, or, you know, that, that my religious belief is part of some denomination or something. None of that. Uh, the, all you have to have is a sincerely held religious belief that the government cannot question. All right? And then there has to be a, uh, a, a, uh, a protection for that religious liberty by a exception. Furthermore, when the government makes its mandates, they can't, they can't select out religion and uh, religious practices and impose greater burdens. Like, for instance, California was very persistent in attacking religious uh, assemblies. So mm-hmm. they, they would have, they would say, well, if it's, a, if it's in a church, you can only have 10 people. But if it's in Walmart, you can have hundreds, all right? Well, the Supreme Court inter, you know, intervened in those cases where religion is being selected out for un- adverse treatment, and, uh, and of course, struck down those, you know, the, the adverse treatment, so that religious uh, 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 assemblies, uh, whatever the case may be, has to be treated just the same as any other uh, uh, similar, like, assembly. Okay. Like uh, Walmart as, as opposed to your, your Catholic church. Okay, that uh, makes so sense. Those are the two ways that, that there is protection for religious liberty, uh, even in the context of, of, of you know, uh, a, a situation that looked pretty dire at the beginning. Okay, I want to move to um, free speech. Uh, what are our free speech rights under the Constitution? And then I want you to um, talk a little bit about uh, technology and maybe censorship on social media with some of the big tech companies that's been in the news. So tell us what our rights are, and then how does this piece of quote-unquote censorship in, in big tech fit into that? Are they censoring? Is it, you know, give us your perspective on all that. Yes, we, we uh, also under the First Amendment, uh, in addition to religious liberty, uh, is the protection of the four indispensable democratic freedoms that, that allow us to conduct a representative democracy and, and ensure that citizens play, play the pre- preeminent role in those elections. So citizens aren't like intervening or intruding into an election. The whole design of our system is that the election is conducted among the citizens and that the citizens have a robust role. So that's where freedom of speech, press, assembly, and petitioning our government comes in, which are is one half of the First Amendment. So, uh, again, the government cannot limit free speech unless they have a compelling justification. A, comp- a classic would be falsely yelling fire in a crowded theater. I mean, that's the example often used, and it's perfectly obvious that a false, a falsely yelling uh, uh, a fire in a crowded theater is going to risk the lives of many people. 
mm-hmm. and that's a compelling justification. But really, those compelling justifications are really rare uh, because the whole point of the First Amendment was to protect our robust ability to speak to our fellow citizens about the government, about politicians, about what they're doing to us and for us, praising, criticizing them, whatever the case may be. Now, when big tech comes in, uh, they are, of course, a private company. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Constitution does not limit what a private company can get, can do. So, okay. generally speaking, there is uh, more, uh, uh, the, the private company has a, a pretty a robust power, if they choose to exercise it, to limit free speech and by its employees, by what happens on its premises, that sort of thing. Now, we're getting into an area, though, where the size of big tech and its pervasiveness uh, is, cause, is raising concerns, all right? Mm-hmm. It, it is raising antitrust concerns. Uh, it is raising also whether or not big tech is working hand-in-hand with government. Mm-hmm. Because what you keep seeing is government officials, usually Democrats, who are telling, asking big tech to, uh, to censor usually Republicans and conservatives or religious people. Uh, and, 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 th- and what is, you know, has been raised in some lawsuits is, is the big tech working hand-in-hand with government in a way that they now really are becoming a government agent? And I think there's legitimate concerns about that. And if they are a government agent, well, then the Constitution does apply to them and what they are doing, if it's hand-in-hand with government. But both their size and uh, uh, raising antitrust concerns and how they seem to be cooperating with government and government agencies to, uh, you know, uh, I mean, think about uh, what Facebook and all is doing about vaccines. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are censoring like crazy uh, things that the government doesn't approve of, you know, and, of course, that becomes a moving target when, you know, one, 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 uh, they start off by saying masks don't, masks don't work, and so don't use them, and then censor people that say masks do work, you ought to use them. And then a few months later, they say masks work, and they're censoring people that say masks don't work. Uh, I mean, Fauci... Uh, uh, there's an email of Fauci early on in, in March of, of 2020 where he, he was telling people masks don't work. Uh, and then a few months later, he says we got to mandate masks. And then people who would quote his own statement would be censored uh, uh, by big tech. I mean, this is, this is troubling, but you have to acknowledge that uh, these are private companies. And they have more, certainly more authority uh, than uh, the government does. We need to take a break right now. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about personal liberties and constitutional rights that we have um, with Jim Bopp. So stay tuned for more Faith in Action. Across America, there are quiet heroes changing lives every day. When disaster strikes, they lend support. They give hope to those in need, warmth to the cold, and help to those society ignores. Over the past decade, 
They have given more than $1.5 billion and 700 million hours to charity. When it comes to making a difference, the Knights of Columbus are on the front lines. Become a Knight and be the difference. Learn more at kofc.org. You know us as Catholic Radio Indy, but we're so much more than just radio. We're a voice for the church that's seldom heard in our chaotic world. We're confirmation for the strong of faith and encouragement and answers for those in doubt. We're there to rejoice with your triumphs and to be a voice of consolation through the dark times. We're a voice for vocations and proudly pro-life. We are Catholic Radio Indy and catholicradioindy.org. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to Faith in Action. I'm Bridget Ayer. Kent Blantford is sitting next to me here in the studio, and we're talking with our guest, James Bopp, Jr. of the Bopp Law Firm. He is a constitutional um, rights um, attorney, and we're talking about personal liberty. And before the break, we were talking about um, big tech and censorship. And I want to, um, when we were at the break, I asked Jim if he could talk a little bit about Section 230, Uh, which is what is talked about a lot um, with regard to big tech. So what is big tech like a publisher or are they a platform? That's, that's kind of the big question, I guess. So what is section 230? First tell us what that is. And then are they a publisher or a platform? Talk about the legal aspects of how they are, I guess, designated. And then they fall under certain rules based on that designation. Well, initially, the model that the uh, various uh, uh, internet, uh, you know, bulletin boards—that's what they were called initially—were mm-hmm. uh, uh, following was that they uh, that they were a platform. They were not a publisher. In other words, they did not exercise any authority over what was posted by other people. Uh, onto their bulletin board. I mean, it was they used the word bulletin board because literally that's what it was. Mm-hmm. In other words, anybody could come along to the wall where the bulletin board is and put something on it, right? And, and, and it was a, a free exchange of ideas, which was a wonderful idea, and, and made uh, uh, made uh, communicating with your fellow citizens so cheap and so readily available. It was a wonderful democratic tool that, that it, it, you know, you didn't have to own a newspaper, uh, you know, in order to communicate with thousands, millions of people uh, at, at the price of having a computer and, and an Internet access. Well, what has happened recently is that they have moved, well, at that time, the, uh, when, when it was a, a bulletin board, uh, uh, these the companies at the time said, but we are really concerned that uh, we're going to be viewed to be a publisher, right? Because this is such a new idea, mm-hmm. all right? That, that, and if we're a publisher, then we're liable for whatever is said on our bulletin board, okay? Mm-hmm. So they were able to get from Congress uh, a exception, which is uh, 230, which said, which said, as to all of these uh, internet bulletin boards that they are not publishers, right? And so as a result, they're not liable for what is posted uh, by other people on their side, right? Well, they, they adhered to that up until recently. 
and, uh, and but now they have radically changed their business model. They have now decided, Facebook, Google, and all these big techs have decided that they get to decide what is posted on their site. So they have assumed the role of a publisher rather than a platform. Well, what's the justification? If they want to take up the job of policing what people put on their site, then why do they have an exemption from liability for what is put on their site? And they are then so aggressive, so biased, you know, so wide-ranging in their censorship that a lot of people are saying, well, hey, if they want to be the New York Times, you know, fine, but and have all your opinion, uh, only your opinion posted on, in your, on your newspaper, uh, well, then why in the heck does, does Facebook get an exemption from liability for what people publish on their newspaper and now uh, their platform? It used to be a platform, uh, now a publisher. And I think there's a good argument for that. Why, why do they have government protection that New York Times doesn't have if they want to do the same thing as New York Times, which is to censor any anything that doesn't conform to their point of view mm-hmm. and only publish their point of view. It's hard to justify 230 uh, in that situation. We only have about five minutes left, which th- I can't believe this is going so fast, but I think that's a really good explanation of, of where that's at. So what, where do where do we go from from here? I guess legally, is there anything that you know? Let's say people in the audience, you know, they want to put their Catholic whatever up, but then they aren't able to, for for instance, you know, their Catholic views, because that's, I think that's a concern, um, you know, when, you know, obviously many many tenets of the Catholic Church are very countercultural. It might be considered conservative. I mean, might be considered liberal in some other instances, but. You know, what can people do as the layperson in the pew as it relates to this issue? Is there anything citizens can do as it relates to 230, the Section 230 and this big tech problem that you're um, explaining? Well, more, more importantly, I think, that is that uh, the big tech has adopted the point of view that anything that offends, quote, offends, end of quote, uh, or is contrary to certain points of view are are to be censored, and uh, of course that you know many many Catholic beliefs fall into that category mm-hmm. of things that uh, uh, big tech and the woke uh, world we live in uh, and these woke corporations uh, want to uh, censor uh, you know uh, bar from their sites. Uh, even barred from their employment, for that matter. And so this is a real, this is a pretty broad problem that we're facing here. Now, what can be done? You know, the first line of defense to our First Amendment rights and our other rights as, as American citizens that we have under our Constitution are our elected officials. In other words, if they don't pass a law that, in this case, immunizes big tech you know, and let, lets them free without any liability to censor whatever they want to censor where the New York Times doesn't have it, you know, 
that's government protection for something that they should no longer have and and live with their choice. You know, if they want to take up the liability that uh, for all their posts, well, then that's their choice. I have a feeling they'll go back to platform really fast <laughs> if that protection of the government is taken from them. Uh, so, uh, so it is, uh, you know, our first line of defense is public officials. So seek them out. Support the ones that support free speech. There are plenty that do not. The plenty that are shamelessly uh, supporting big tech censorship and want to protect the the special rights that the government has given big tech. All right, so that's our first line of defense. And then the and then the second line of defense is is to speak out and don't comply. Okay, I mean uh, that we uh, in in this kind of environment. Self-censorship is a big problem. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I'm you, not going to po- I'm not gonna post that, you know? Right. I'm not going to post that because somebody will get mad at me, be offended by it, and, and they are being taught to be offended. Mm-hmm. And they, they are being empowered to attack people that speak out, that have a different point of view. So we, we have to have courage and the willingness to speak the truth well, uh, even though the, the Twitter mob is going to chase after us, right? Of course, I don't worry about that. I'm not on Twitter, you know. <laughs> and frankly, I've given up being worrying about people disagreeing with me uh, because they, uh, as, as a conservative and as a Catholic, you know, that just comes with the territory, in my, my opinion. But No doubt. Uh, it's not easy. It's not easy. But we have to have the courage. I mean, if we just voluntarily give up our rights, we won't have them. That's a good point. And we definitely, as Catholics, we definitely need to be courageous and speak in truth, uh, speak the truth with love. Um, If... I, I think I noticed that you had some articles on your website, um, uh, various, when you speak and when you um, write, you've got some articles on your website. Is that correct? Like, and people want to learn more about some of these constitutional issues. Is that true? Yes, yes. I can go to bopplaw.com. Uh, that's B-O-P-P-L-A-W.com, which is my firm website. I also do a lot of work with the James Madison Center. Uh, which is also uh, has its own website and and covers a lot of the, the material that we uh, a lot of the cases we're involved with and and other material that might be helpful. We are out of time. Um, if you want to connect with um, uh, Jim Bop, you can go to the boplaw.com. That's the website for articles or maybe the James Madison organization. Um, Jim, we're out of time. Uh, James Bopp Jr., uh, the Bopp Law Firm, has been our guest today talking about constitutional issues and personal liberty. Thank you so much for, for being with us today. really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you. You have been listening to Faith in Action, the program that looks at how people put their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is a presentation of Catholic Radio Indy. You can hear this episode of Faith in Action again or any past episode at catholicradioindy.org. If you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future program, please call us at 317-870-8400. 
or email jim at catholicradioindy.org.